Hey, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be interviewing Mother Teresa. That's right. The Catholic Talk Show is the kind of show that gets the best guests ever. <laughs> We've had Fulton Sheen, and now we're so lucky to have Mother Teresa joining us on the show. Mother Teresa said one of her most famous lines, really, peace begins with a smile, and we are confident that she is going to put a smile on your face. Welcome, Mother Teresa. forward to this episode mother teresa's got a lot to say yeah. so i'm hoping uh you know we can get it out of her that's right now we were blessed to have fulton sheen on uh-huh. and now to have mother teresa i mean two of the greatest most inspiring people of the 20th century we are so blessed that mother teresa wanted to be on our show look i, I love matt frad pites at aquinas taylor marshall does good stuff uh, there's a lot of great Catholic podcasts. They are not getting the quality of guests that we get here on the Catholic Talk Show. And that's things in, in and part clearly, to our Father patrons. Mike Schmitz never got Mother Teresa on no any way. of his podcasts. No, so. I'd like to see you pull this one off, Schmitzy. <laughs> not happening, bro. But that's the challenge is made. That's right, but that's because we're humble. Yes, know, yes we're humble yes, in knowing that we're yes. the best Catholic podcast in the world, and our humility allows <laughs> us to have guests like the very humble Mother Teresa. That's the truth, isn't it? Um, She's truly humble. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, today we're going to take a look at, at the words and some speeches of Mother Teresa, and, and we're going to take a listen to what it is that she has to say and, and, and see how that moves us, and this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I love I love the premise, and last time we did it, uh, you know, a lot of the, the subscribers on, on all of our platforms, they all they sent some really good messages back, and they wanted to see more things like this. You know, it's really cool that when you're a podcast or a YouTube channel, to be able to get Mother Teresa on. And one of the things that she told me before we started recording the show is she's like, you know, one of the great poverties of modern communications is that people don't click the subscribe button on the Catholic Talk Show. So Poverty. don't miss that opportunity right now. Take right. the moment, click the subscribe button, hit the little bell, and give us a thumbs up and share the show on all the social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Podbean is one of our most famous ways that you could listen in, and uh, so many others. That's right. Like Mother Teresa said, you subscribe to us, right? <laughs> I know it's four words, but, you know, deal with it. So um, Mother Teresa really was one of the most inspirational, powerful, and um, just dynamic people of the 20th mm-hmm. century. Her, the, her charism and her mission to go to the very poorest of the poor in one of the most destitute areas of the world in India... In, an, in a culture where they have a caste system where people are untouchable, there is no ability for some of these people to even ever expect a higher station in life, and they're expected to always be outcasts. To show the nature of the Catholic faith, faith and the love of Christ, to go to these most desperate areas and give even the most simple dignity uh, is just an astounding thing. And then the... Um, the kind of slander that she's received in the last decade or it's so heartbreaking. is it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it really and it's, is. You know, you think the word, the phrase actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. I mean, her actions and you will know a tree by its fruit, you know, yeah. look to the fruit, look to the actions. There's a lot of propaganda out there, but yeah. you know, she truly inspired me when I was a kid, you know, and it, one thing outside of her actions were, which were just so evident in her fruits. She's a prolific speaker too. Mm-hmm. Really a prolific speaker. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to share on the show today. You know, you said something on another episode that I think really applies here is that uh, when people see someone else doing good, they'd like to attack it because they stand self-accused of not having done the same thing. So you have all these atheists and these people who are very anti-Catholic trying to denigrate her because she stands in such stark contrast to their inaction. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we're good people. We don't need We don't need God to be good. Well, what are you doing? You know, you show me the calluses on your hands from giving. Show me the crags and wrinkles in your face from the cares that you've taken other people. And they can't do it. So their only thing that they can do is to talk smack about Mother Teresa because they're not doing it themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? we saw the first or the fruits firsthand in D.C. when I lived there. We would go spend some Sundays with the sisters uh, in downtown. 
And they had uh, just, I mean, they were just taking care of so many people that the world just couldn't take care of. There was a, a group that was had, um, I believe it was AIDS. And, and so, you know, these people could not find certain places. And, and the women that were in that religious order, missionaries of charity, they went to the government and they're like, hey, we want the people that, you know, you have no place for. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing the the depth of love in their hearts to, to go seek them out, mm-hmm. you know. A big a big shout out to uh, the Missionaries of Charity in San Diego. I got to have so many opportunities to celebrate Mass on a regular basis That's for awesome. them while I was there. And uh, we one of our former uh, supporters of the show and 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 patrons was uh, Sock Religious, mm-hmm. and and you know I gave all of the sisters they loved my socks because I had Our Lady on them mm-hmm. <laughs> because I would celebrate without shoes like they didn't have shoes in their chapel yeah. I would take off my shoes and they loved my socks so they would comment on them every now and then so when I was leaving I gave them all a pair of socks <laughs> with Our Lady and they didn't they couldn't even keep them they had to give them away but they gave them away to all the poor in their in their yeah. It was really cool. That's great. Yeah. So um, let's let's hear what Mother Teresa has to say. So this is a, this is her. You know, a, you know, she's our guest. So again, welcome Mother Teresa to the show. Um, but this is her talking a little bit about her own disposition. So let's hear what she has to say. I personally am most unworthy, but I brought a girl child from the street, and I could see in the face of the child, as the child was hungry. God knows how many days they had not eaten. So I gave her a piece of bread. And the little one started eating the bread crumb by crumb. And I eat, I said to the child, eat the bread, eat the bread. And she looked at me and said, I'm afraid to eat the bread because I'm afraid when it is finished I will be hungry again. This is a reality. Maybe we are not hungry for a piece of bread but maybe there is somebody there in the family who is unwanted, unloved, uncared, forgotten. There is love. Love begins at home. And love to be true has to hurt. And this is what I bring before you, to love one another with great love. <clears throat> love must hurt. Yeah, that's what stuck out to me. Mm. Oh, and doesn't that stand so against our culture? Mm-hmm. No, love doesn't hurt. Love is just whatever. Love, love is, is love. pleasure. Yeah, love is pleasure. But uh, true love is sacrifice. Yeah. True love is hurt. And, and being willing to enter into the sorrow of extending love. You know, Jesus, before he approached Calvary, before he approached his most definitive act of love, manifesting what love truly is that Mother Teresa is just so beautifully sharing with us today, um, he expressed, I give you a new commandment. You know, outside of, of people questioning him, you know, what is the greatest of the commandments? Like before Jesus assumes the altar of the cross, he says, I give you a new commandment. He says, love one another as I have loved you. And that is the great love that Mother Teresa is, is sharing here. And something else that really strikes me about this is how God spoke to her in her actions of service, the clarity that she has. In, in relationship to the service that she's rendering. And it shows me that she is interiorly praying after these experiences of service, and it's becoming a part of her, mm-hmm. and God is speaking to her through poverty. And, and you can just see on her face, you can see that she gave until it hurt. Oh, yeah. You know, and you can see even in her spirituality where she would have great, you know, spells of darkness. You can't enter into that kind of human suffering without having that. And then people use well that she had, you know, spiritual darkness as an attraction. But so did our Lord. Our Lord Lord was in Gethsemane sweating blood. He was 
you know, in agony on the cross. He was looking on the people and saying, you know, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, right? Mm -hmm. You enter into the darkness of suffering when you truly go to the depths of love. Mm -hmm. It's unavoidable. And, and you do feel forsaken. And that feeling is a part of being emptied out and making an election permanent in your choice that you are going to choose love as the focus of your activity and what you are leaving as a legacy in the world, you are fulfilling the greatest call of Jesus Christ, which is the new commandment, love as I have loved you, that's how it's done. It's done out of the disposition of being forsaken. It's done out of the disposition of hurt and pain and making that choice. Yeah, I mean, the word uh, sacrifice comes from to make holy, mm -hmm. right? Sacrifice. Sacra yeah, facere. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 what that's the example that we have uh, in Christ is mm -hmm. is his sacrifice and all the grace that flows from that and the mercy of God that flows from that. Um, so if we're going to labor for anything, like we should labor and suffer for something that is going to have an outcome. Mm -hmm. I think the human human nature and what the world presents too is like, how can I get out of labor? Yeah. <laughs> you know, how can I how can I move away? But no, there's a dignity to human labor. You know, there's this anti-work movement that's just so evident in our culture today. Oh goodness! And it's like you know the right to not work. Yeah. How absurd! It's you Who's know doing that. Oh, oh it's, whoa, dude! It's they want a basic universal income. They don't want to have to work. Um, and they think the government should just supply income and they should be left to not have to work mm -hmm. and have leisure. It's like, no, dude. That's you think not of how the it, emptiness of a soul that chooses to live their life like that. You're just a cattle at that oh. point. You know, no, there's dignity to human labor. And when we suffer for an outcome, the joy that we see in that process is insurmountable in human experience. Yeah. You know, and, and her talking about that little kid saying, you know, when I eat, finish, she's eating the bread very hungry, slow, yeah. crumb by mm -hmm. crumb, I'm going to be mm -hmm. hungry again. You know, it made me think of a couple things. You know, certainly it made me think of the bread of life, which when you eat, you no longer hunger. You mm -hmm. know, and this world is a, a transitory stage mm -hmm. and our ultimate goal towards heaven. It also made me think of um, the prophet Elijah in the book of Kings, when he went to that house, when it was just the woman and her son, mm. and he's like, woman, make me some bread, you know, because, you know, as a stranger and a traveler, you would depend on the benefices of others. And she says, I have no bread, only just a little flour and oil, and then we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. You know, it's that same, you know, that same destitute you could see in the Old Testament 3,000 years ago, and you can see it today on the streets all over the world. But then you even, but you see the same thing in Elijah saying, have faith. Let's eat it and you will be sustained. You know, and I think Mother Teresa was doing the, you know, the same thing there. Yeah, I think too also we see Christ in other people. Um and mostly it's Christ in another person and the their passion and their love for Christ and then the joy that they bring you. She saw Christ in in the suffering mm -hmm. in other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That um, you know, we've got people suffering around us all over the place. Mm -hmm. She sought sought them out. And to be able to identify poverty outside of economy, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, there, there is a poverty to the soul here mm -hmm. and she's entering in into the depth of wisdom and she's sharing that publicly as a prolific speaker and an instrument of God sent into the world to educate us. Yeah. So where are we going next? This is a, the so let, let's ask mother Teresa, you know, mother, how, you know, you just showed us a very, a uh, concrete example of how to love others. But let's, you know, Mother Teresa, I'd love to know how you think we should love God. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a, a good next, next uh, step here. So let, here's a clip of her telling us how question. to love God. I want to hear what she has to say about this. You're going to. Really? Because how can we love God whom we don't see? St. John says, how can you say that you love God whom you don't see, if you do not love your neighbor whom you see. Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. Hungry not only for bread, hungry for love, for the word of God, for the tender concern of somebody. Naked, I was naked, and you clothed me. 
not only with a piece of cloth. Nakedness is that loss of that beautiful human dignity of the child of God, the dignity that have been created to love and to be loved, the dignity of that beautiful virtue, purity, that we keep our purity pure, that we keep our chastity chaste, that we keep our virginity virgin. This is a nakedness, and that is lost. I was homeless, and you took me in, not only for a house made of bricks, but I was homeless, unwanted, unloved, a throwaway of society. But today we have right here in our country, we see the poor people, we see the young people with that disease, unwanted, unloved, a trophy of society. Are we there to be that love, that kindness, that thoughtfulness to them and share with them the terrible pain, the terrible feeling of terrible loneliness, being a throwaway, have no one to be somebody to somebody. This is the nativity of Jesus, being poor, being born as a poor. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. A throwaway yeah. society. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, what really hit me was we are created, people are created to love and be loved. And when people are not loved, it's a denial of their creation and their intrinsic nature as a creation of God. That is the purpose of God's creation, which you know, it's that the Deus Caritas S, to love and be loved. And that's the very fabric of reality. And then when people are unloved, when people are dismissed, and these could be, you know, people who are poor, people who are suffering, these could be people who are rich. There can be people who have everything and are living in deep spiritual poverty because they're unloved. There could be people who are you know, nice priests like Father Rich. There could be people who are good fathers like Della Cross. There could be people who are transgender, you know, prostitutes. They are all, no matter what, a creation of love to love and be loved. Mm -hmm. And our and culture loved, yeah. distorts that so terribly mm -hmm. of the true nature of what love is. And and in a throwaway society, in that vein. When we, when we just throw people away as a result of all the categorization and polarization that's happening in society, you know, that's when people get angry. Yeah. You know, because people feel unloved. And why do you think like all these different groups want to be heard? They ultimately want to be loved. That's right. And when, when we actually put into practice within society what Jesus Christ teaches us, we see what can happen, and we see that in Mother Teresa's ministry. You know, she established incredible movements of transformation within society among the poorest of the poor, and it was based on how she loved God. Mm -hmm. and that, I, that's that's her philosophy. You know, and I loved how she was going through the corporal works of mercy. You know, I was naked, and you clothed me. But it's more than just a piece of cloth. It's about dignity. Yes. You know, I was homeless and you brought me in. It's not just a wall of brick to keep you from the elements. It's an acceptance. It's a being wanted and desired by another. You know, there's, and our culture really tries to force us into looking at the, the satisfactory nature of the physical nature of our being. And that should be enough because that's what sells. That's what sells more this or that. But the reason, the true reason, it's not that you, you're you going to eat. It's not that you're going to have a place 
to sleep and not that you're going to have something to wear. It's dignity. It's being welcomed and it's being loved. Those are the things, you know, they say they're the necessities of human life. But it's deeper than that. Those are the necessities of, of a physical survival. But it's much more important because we are much more than just bodies. We are bodies and souls, right? And the soul needs that nourishment as much as the body does. The soul needs the protection just as much as the body does. The soul needs to be clothed just as much as the naked body does. What's been standing out for me in the baptismal ritual and, and recent baptisms that I've done is the statement that you have been clothed with the dignity of Christ. In virtue of your baptism and the baptismal garment that's entrusted to you, you're being clothed with the dignity of Christ. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> that that's important to see with the eyes of faith because it is an invisible reality. And how do we love an invisible God in Mother Teresa's opening statements? You know, is is recognizing the way that we treat others with dignity because they are created by God in his image and likeness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, baptized in his good favors and mercy, there is a dignity that's shared with humanity that is something divine. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, we're kind of taught from the beginning um, that, you know, you're to just kind of take take control of your life, be successful. Master of your destiny. Master That's of your destiny. That's a very Protestant work ethic mm -hmm. concept well, of America. Well, I mean, it's, it's all over. It mm -hmm. pervades every, uh, pervades media, pervades education. It, I mean, it's, it's uh, families. I think, um, you know, it, in, in giving, we also find who we were created to be, right? Like God creates us, as you said, to, to love and to be loved. So how we give love and receive love, we come to understand who we are more deeply. We, co we come to understand who our, our God is more deeply, who Christ is more deeply. Um, and, and the fulfillment and the happiness, is it's not throwaway. It's, it's, it stays with you. It builds. It grows. You know, and you become more fulfilled in your life. And so you, you would think, you know, somebody like Mother Teresa would be, you know, hey, I, I need to get to a beach somewhere. You know, I'm, 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 I'm done here. There's enough care I put into here. And then they just kind of equivocate that they need a vacation or, you know, whatever. And I mean, this woman just poured herself out like her whole life. Mm -hmm. She just poured herself out mm -hmm. for this. And, you know, there's got to be something there that connected her to God to where, you know, she understood who she was more yeah. fully. Mm -hmm. you, know? you know, and, and like you're saying about that throwaway culture, how often do you see in our culture, they'll take somebody and they'll use them for a news segment to influence public sentiment, not because they care about the person, not because they really think that this person, you know, in, in this transgender relationship or this person who supports abortion, do you think they really care about them as a person or to try to push an ideology? Which That's ultimately, divisive in nature. Which is ultimately just basically to continue to adhere power to themselves, mm -hmm. whether through votes or influence. They don't care about the people. They don't care about the impact of it. And they're using people as pawns. And then as soon as they're done use it, you know, fulfilling their service to that person, gone. Never hear mm -hmm. about it again. And Do that, you think and, like and these the, politicians are still going back out on the street? You know, they bring in this person and they have them sit next to him at a speech and they say, Well, this person did this, and that's why I'm passing this law. Are they checking up with them now? Are mm -hmm. they saying, you know, I know that your kid was killed from gun violence? How you doing? I just want to call you and say, you know, yeah. I'm still thinking about you five years ago, you know, or these, you know, celebrities. Oh, we got to go and help this great natural disaster that happened in the Caribbean. Where are they at mm -hmm. 10 years later? Mm -hmm. These people in like Haiti are still struggling, mm -hmm. still without power. Are they still saying, you know, I know I'm a big musician, but hey, guys, how you doing? Are you, do you still need help? Yeah, and I think there there are probably, you know, many politicians out there that that actually do have a heart and they they, they have uh, access to certain poverties that that they genuinely want to have contact with. But I think the the scary thing is, is that they can be allured and drawn into more of like, I, I need to do this so that I can appear this way so mm -hmm. that I could be approved and, and elevated in my, in my political journey. That could be a danger. Um, but you know, this is the ultimate reason why Jesus Christ was killed, right? You know, he threatens a partisan <laughs> political world. Mm -hmm. He threatens it because he presents a way in which we truly do become one. And, 
if that's the case, then what is the value that a value proposition right. of what the Sadducees and Pharisees present? What is the value proposition of what a, a, a you know a and Democrat or a Republican or, yeah, yeah. presents or an independent? You know, whatever it is, you know, that's why Jesus was killed. Yeah. You know, and it's just that how they use people and then throw them away is so below their dignity. You know, we can fundamentally disagree with a person and how they live, but if we aren't willing to take them into our home and to love them and give them dignity and clothe them in dignity. Better to be silent. Yeah, well, it's it's a condemnation of your own mm-hmm. self. I mean, it that is. is what we're called to do in the radical love of the gospel. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. And that's what we need to be more actively pursuing as a people. You know, I think, you know, I, I have a, I have a case um, trying to help a family move from Brazil and and supplement some of their educational costs. Mm-hmm. And but I wanted to, I want to set up a charitable fund to be able to, mm-hmm. you know, have scholarship opportunities for family and families in need. And, you know, I turned to some people in the church like, hey, can you can you be a part of the vetting process so that we can we can do this? And yeah. it's like you have all these people that say. Well, the church needs to do this. The church needs to do that. The church needs to do this. And then who's actually stepping up to actually yeah, help? Yeah. Because when you ask somebody directly, a greater majority will be like, I yeah. don't know if I could do that. Well, I mean, you yeah, know, I mean, it should be done. I mean, I don't want to do it, but I mean, it should definitely be exactly. done. And that's the, that's the sentiment. It's like, no, like we all have the capacity and opportunity to do something in the name of Christ now. Now. Yeah. And this is why we are here yeah. to do that now. That's why we labor. Liturgia means work. Mm-hmm. This, you know, if we're going to participate in the liturgia, we have to necessarily participate in the corporal works and the spiritual works of mercy. Necessarily. You know, and sometimes yeah. problems are so overwhelming. Like, dude, how are we going to feed every person in the world? There are so many people starving. There's no way to even, and the problem's insurmountable. And it is. We will always have the poor with us because yeah. of, you know. You don't have to have a tragic loss either. We heard no. about, you know, the uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. You know, her uh, whoever killed her son got three months in prison. And so she, she went and literally did something about it in his name to care for other mm-hmm. people that could potentially be yes. harmed from something like this. Mm-hmm. You know, a friend of mine, Scott, and his daughter died when she was two years old from this rare disease. His whole life has been giving to those kids Amen. in yeah. need, man. Amen. Like, so a That's lot of times tra- tragedy strikes and you're moved from this compassion, right? For the other, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can just begin the process of diving into yeah. something and giving, and then you receive from that again, like we were saying, it's like you receive from that, these great gifts from God. You know, sometimes, they, you know, they say faith can move mountains. Okay, well, I have faith the mountain's going to move. It's not just going to pick up and move. Sometimes the faith that moves mountains is by picking it up stone by stone one at a time and moving that mountain. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of work that Mother Teresa did. She's not, yeah. she's been able to solve all the world's problems. Mm-mm. The problems that she was addressing are still there. But if, like she said, if you can't feed a thousand people, feed one. Yes. Right. Start anywhere. And that's precisely why Jesus said the poor will always be among you. Mm-hmm. The poor are among us so that we can respond mm-hmm. and participate in the works of Christ. That's the mercy of God that God gives us mercifully a chance to be able to participate in the joy of this work. Yeah, I mean, there being poor people is a reality of the socioeconomic distribution of how people live. You know, if you're cavemen, some people are just better at hunting. If you're farmers, some people just grew more barley. You know, if we're in the modern world, some people just have more resources. God doesn't make poor people as a teachable moment for us. God says poor will always be among you so that you know how to always respond to them. It's not like God's like, well, you know, I'm going to make a couple hundred thousand poor people so Father Rich has the ability to go help them out. The poor will always be among you. The call is you always have the opportunity to respond in love. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's... Um, and it goes all full circle yeah, right. back to what we were saying before. And, you know, each and every person is called to be loved and to love. Mm-hmm. And that we get to experience firsthand the poverty of someone else and love them in their poverty. What a gift to have people in our lives to do that. You know, talking about loving everyone and loving them in their vulnerability, yes. there is no one more vulnerable 
than the unborn. Oh, my goodness. They are in what should be the safest place. I mean, mm -hmm. every person yearns to be in the arms mm -hmm. of their mother because the arms of their mother is a reflection of being in the womb of their mother. That is the most safe any human should ever be. Mm -hmm. And they're so vulnerable. They are perfectly vulnerable in the womb. And what our society does to this most vulnerable class of people is atrocious. And Mother Teresa had amazing things to say about the defense of life from the old person dying in the street to the very vulnerable in the womb. And that that's what this next um, segment that she speaks on is about. So let's take a listen. Yeah. Even if mother could forget, but today millions of unborn children are being killed. And we say nothing. In the newspapers, you read numbers of this one, that one being killed, this being this one. But nobody speaks of the millions of little ones who have been have been conceived with the same life as you and I, with the life of God. And we say nothing. We allow it. To me, the nations who have legalized abortion, they are the poorest nation. They are afraid of little one. They are afraid of the unborn child. And the child must die because they don't want to feed one more child, to educate one more child, the child must die. And here I ask you, in the name of these little ones, for it was that unborn child that recognized the presence of Jesus when Mary came to visit Elizabeth, her cousin. As we read in the gospel, the moment Mary came into the house, the little one in the womb of his mother lived with joy, recognized the Prince of Peace. And so today, let us here make a strong resolution. We are going to save every little child, every unborn child, give them a chance to be born. And what we are doing, we are fighting abortion by adoption. And the good God has blessed the work so beautifully that we are saved thousands of children and thousands of children have found a home where they are loved, they are wanted, they are cared. You know, that's powerful. Very, you know, and, and I love by responding to the call for adoption and, and eliminating abortion, so many women that I, I've ministered to that have had fertility issues as a consecrated priest of Our Lady of La Leche, I'm constantly responding to these cases. And it's beautiful ministry. I'm grateful for God placing this in my life. But so many women struggle when they are struggling with fertility to even adopt. And it's so cumbersome and challenging and expensive and mm -hmm. all of these different things that, that prevent this from happening more regularly. But yeah. seeing when, and I have little Abigail that I'm baptizing a little, you know, in a, in, a, in a few weeks, to see Melissa, her mother, now hold this child every single day, every week that they come to Mass, and, and to see the joy on Brian's face. You know, big shout out to Brian and Melissa Flaherty, you know, who just adopted this beautiful child, Abigail. Like what a gift of completion, you know, and, and a gift of contact in motherhood and fatherhood when there's when there's a struggle. The gift of adoption, what that means to people, you know, at large, mm. you know, I, I, Amy Molzer, you know, she has is fostering a child. She had the baby at mass this morning. I don't know if you if you saw the baby. Um, but a cute little baby, and she's holding that baby right next to her heart and showing that baby so much love and dignity, and and her motherhood is just generating so much that that it gets to extend to another child. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what a gift. You know, what really kind of hit me right between the eyes on that is that people are afraid of these babies. Mm -hmm. They're afraid of these children, so they have to die. What a straightforward way to put it, but 
how often, you know, isn't that the fear of Herod? It really is. You know, it's the fear of a baby, the fear of this innocence. But then I think in, 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 you know, in 2022, there's this fear of responsibility. And so many, you know, they always say, well, what about abortions of, uh, you know, well, rape or incest or, or, you know, catastrophic genetic issues? Okay. Those, by all statistics, account for like 2% of abortions. Most abortions are elective because it's not the right time in that person's life to have a child. Okay. Now, I'm not going to sit here and condemn anybody because I, you know, I'm, I haven't had to go through that. But the fear of having to remove your own responsibility to yourself and to put it to someone else is why so many of these babies are getting killed. And Pope Francis said, you know, abortionists are like mafia hitmen. We have a problem of someone else who's going to require our time, so we hire a hitman to kill them. Mm -hmm. That is the reality of abortion. Mm -hmm. We don't want a child to come and clip our wings, take our freedom, not let us go out and drink, not let us to go on that vacation, be young and wild, and, well, yeah. let's hire a hitman to kill him. And that's what I love about your life of being, you know, fruitful, having all these kids and having the kids a part of things like, and it, and it creates even more joy. How many times was like, I'm holding Maria and we're out, you know, at, at a beach or a pool or something like that. And just, we're all entering into leisure. We're entering into leisure with the kids and there's, there's a beautiful nature of that. And then seeing them in these environments or going out to dinner, me, you and Jen and Rosie, you know, yeah. like th there's something special about that. And it enhances social life. It doesn't detract from social life. I can't tell you how much I've grown with with my children. Just just being a father and and seeing multiple personalities in different children and how you father them and and with your spouse, how do you enter into that? And then the friendship that's created through the um, holy matrimony, right, through your spouse uh, and how you're parenting children. And the struggles that, that come with it, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, you know, um, one, one of the things that I was thinking about, too, is that, you know, the, the devil preys on vulnerability. And, you know, uh, I was listening to this guy uh, a couple of years ago, and he said about 92 percent of the women that have abortions know they're killing a child. Mm -hmm. They don't. That argument's no longer there. Mm -hmm. They're terrified of, I mean, I, I can't even like think beyond that point that they know they're killing a child, but they're so afraid of this child. And, and again, like, what is, what is this fear? Is it a selfish fear? Perhaps is it a uh, manufactured fear from our culture? Perhaps, but these women that have these abortions and, and regret them, they have to live with this the rest of their lives mm -hmm. and they're harmed in amazing ways. Just like, mm -hmm. you know, just, uh, extraordinary ways. And so it, 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 it not only harms the, the child and, and kills the child, um, thanks be to God, they, they all, you know, will be in heaven. But, you know, the women that, that go through this that are tricked, you know, into believing. How often are women pressured by the men who impregnated them to get an abortion? Because the man's like, look, I just wanted to have a good time. I just wanted to have yeah. You know, I just want to have some sex. And I, didn't want, I don't want all this. You see I don't want that all this all the time. Yeah. I don't want all this yeah, baby you're, stuff. You're not a mother. You're not a woman. You're just a sex body. What do to you me. think you would know? happen? <laughs> what do you think happens right. when you engage it? Like but it's when yeah. you're when you're governed and ruled by the flesh and you're governed yeah. and ruled by your fears. You know, it's things like this happen and, and it is violent and it's you know, it's obscene to God. And I never uh, like to address abortion um, without expressing my my sympathies, my mercy, and my love and support for women that have been tricked into abortion who are who are struggling and who are in need. There's no greater poverty than that. And you know, my priesthood has been exercised in many occasions because when I do touch on the dignity of life from conception, to natural death, and even in the state of death in cemeteries, that there is still dignity attached to the human person that are resting in peace, awaiting the final resurrection. You know, the dignity of human life in that respect, the greatest poverty of human life is in a mother's heart that chooses 
to have an abortion based on these premises of trickery. You know, and, and as in your capacity as a missionary of mercy, uh, you know, you do have that Petrine uh, ministry extended to you. And one of the things it always was, and I mean, Pope Francis did change this to where now every priest has the ability to forgive a woman who regrets her abortion and wants to confess it. So, you know, if there are women out there who who have had that and they struggle with it, there's a lot of great resources. Um, I think Rachel's, Rachel's Vineyard. Vineyard. Rachel's can, Vineyard and then the importance of going to confession yeah. to your confessor. To heal from that. So, to heal. so before, you know, if you had an abortion, you, you couldn't go to confession to a priest? You no, had to go you, to the Pope? You, you had to. The yeah. Pope was the only one who would confer... Wow. Yeah. That faculty. Yeah. So, oh, he can confer a faculty to somebody. So the apostolic penitentiary represents the Holy Father's interest, and it's the only tribunal that remains open during the sedes vacante whenever the seat is vacant right. and, and we are awaiting the election of a new pope. That tribunal office is ever open and operational for the history of the church responding to the needs of people that have sinned egregiously. So it, it was an excommunicable ef effect. So whenever you have an excommunication on your hands, that's an excommunication from the church. Mm -hmm. That requires an apostolic response. That requires gotcha. the response of of Peter, yeah. you know? Yeah, so it was only the Pope. But I think now with the, the proliferation of abortions throughout the world, it's become necessary. Mm -hmm. You know, and I loved... You know, and JP2 did that even prior for yeah. the American priests as well, because yeah. it was just such a, a huge pastoral issue. You know, and, and I love what she said, that the poorest nations are the ones that have legalized abortion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how often do you hear stories in the media about, well, aid being given to poor countries, countries contingent on them adopting abortion and... Um, and uh, contraceptive practices. You know, you'll see like people like uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yeah, they give millions of dollars, but they also tie it to the stick and carrot of, of contraception. Well, these people, you know, they might be poor spiritually, I'm sorry, physically and economically, but you're trying to export your spiritual poverty from your economically rich country onto these economically poor countries. It's a it's a type of intellectual colonialism that disgusts mm. me. Yeah, it's it's vulnerability is the it's the pathway for us to uh, sanctify ourselves through sacrifice. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's also the target of fear and and and, and the demonic. Yep. You know, so in these clips, and again, I just want to thank Mother Teresa for coming on. It's been great to oh, have you, what Mother. A joy. Um, you know, and thank you, shout out to our patrons for allowing us to get great guests like this and the technology <laughs> to bring it in. Go to kathytalkshow.com forward slash Patreon to support the show. And we appreciate your support. Um, so, but all of these things, she's been talking, there's a theme that I'm noticing. It's really about the corporal works of mercy and how they belie the spirit, the nature of a person. And there's a lot of allegories between hunger and what you're really hungering for and poverty and who's really poor. So this last one we're going to do, she's talking about what people actually yearn for. And I think this is a good way to kind of bring the circle closed on the, on the, the uh, clips that we've heard from Mother Teresa. So let's take a listen. We have our sisters and brothers working in many, many countries now. And wherever I go, I find a tremendous hunger for God. A hunger that only you, priests, can satisfy by giving them Jesus. You are the one, unless you have him, you cannot give him. And you are the one from whom they expect that tenderness and love of Christ to come through you to them. That love, that tenderness is his love, his tenderness through you to them. To spread his fragrance, his love, his compassion everywhere you go. In our home for the dying, we see 
that tremendous suffering, terrible suffering. In Calcutta, in one house, we have picked up from the streets of Calcutta 46,000 people, of, of whom 22,000 have gone to God. And how? Only by the tenderness and love that the sisters pour on them. The fragrance and the extension of the tenderness and the love of Jesus, you know, what a, what a call. She is such a prolific speaker. She speaks in the spirit, and you could just mm. tell. And you, yeah, and you can... I'm sure you've seen this before, but uh, the disappointment in some people with their priests. I mean, we get messages and, you know, it's like pray, we got to pray for our priests, you know, like mm -hmm. they're, they're human too. Um, and this yearning for God that everybody has and in, in, in this unbearable weight of massive talent, like the movie, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's just like, you know, it's, it's a, a lot that people put on you because you're in persona Christi, you know, and, and they have a hunger for Christ. They do. And they do. And like she said, you're the one who can give it to them. And, and you can't give what you don't have. And um, yeah, that's, and the, but she said, I, you know, that's what she sees the hunger for people everywhere. She sees all kinds of hunger, but that's the one that stands out. That's mm -hmm. amazing that, that somebody in such poverty would, would have such a tremendous hunger for, for God. But they want hope. Yeah. That's really at the end of the day, what everyone wants is the hope of the resurrection of Christ. That is our only hope. And I, and I think there's, there's also a hope for the Father's love. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, Jesus man is the manifestation of the Father's love for humanity. And he atones for our sins so that we would be forgiven and, and be realigned in his love. And I think being a priest in, the, in persona Christi and going out into a world of human hearts that are aching for the Father's love that have been, you know, cast down and, and downcast literally um, before the Father to go out in that work day in and day out to try to lift hearts to the father. I mean, I'm, I'm humbled that I am a priest. I still, it, it kind of blows my mind. My sin is always before me. Like St. Paul says, um, I know, and I'm, I'm sitting here listening to mother Teresa and I'm like, you know what? I'm not patient with people enough. I'm not tender enough. I'm not, you know, uh, I, I, I get tired and I get, you know, um, but we need the ideology. We need, to, and this is what I love about Mother Teresa and St. John Paul II. They had such a sublime way of presenting the ideology and pursuing it through the mercy of God and recognizing their shortcomings, and they would go to confession weekly. Because, you know, if we don't have that ideology, we have no structural ability to move in the direction that we need to. Yeah. Um, but I'm touched and I'm inspired by uh, men and women like Mother Teresa, like St. John Paul II, and it, and it inspires me to continue forward and to continue to grow and, and get better. Yeah. You know, and uh, really just in summation, just just how powerful one little, one little tiny lady, she was not big, how much power a person can have in their indomitable spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, this world is so often about where power is through either physicality or coercion. Mm -hmm. And her power came from submission and service. That is the antidote to the imbalance of power in this world that we have today. Mm -hmm. It's the answer to suffering is service and submission and humility. You know, and the more we do these shows, guys, you know, the more we keep going back to, it's like, dude, humility, humility, humility. That is the answer. Mm -hmm. That's so why we encourage each and every one of you to pray that litany of humility. It's, it's, a, it's a permanent staple in my spiritual life, and I think it should be in everybody's life. The litany of humility is just such an effective way of digging down into these spaces that we need. Yeah, the litany of humility is awesome. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can do to get that humility in your life, and you can, you, know, you can look at people like Mother Teresa to inspire you to be better. Now, mm -hmm. no one's expecting you to go out and be Mother Teresa, right? But like she said, if you can't 
if you can't be Mother Teresa, at least be yourself. And if you can't feed a thousand people, at least feed one. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Father Rich, why don't you close us out here with a little quote from Mother Teresa and, uh, Again, I just want to thank our patrons, and I want to thank Mother Teresa for coming on the Catholic Talk Show. Again, it's been a great honor, and, um, you know, this, this, this is the kind of thing that we do here at the Catholic Talk Show is get, you know, saints on our show. So. Mm -hmm. so before we go our separate ways, I do want to share this beautiful quote from Mother Teresa to tie in what what uh, Ryan Scheel has just really expressed so well. Uh, but before I do, I want to just, again, give a big shout-out and thanks to our partners and to those who subscribe and our patrons. Uh, Exodus 90, as well as Hallow, are a part of a cultural movement, and it started out so small, and its impact has been so great. And it's within the reach of every single hand. It's in, within the reach of every single thumb. Right here on your phone is countless ways for you to grow in the ascetical spiritual life as a man with Exodus 90, and to truly put on the heritage and the spirituality of countless mystics and saints and the prayers throughout the ages through Hallow. And uh, we encourage you to go to hallow.com slash Catholic Talk Show, as well as exodus90.com slash Catholic Talk Show. And there you'll be able to hop into those apps free of charge and to get to know what they have to offer. Yeah. Hey, guys. Thank you for the, you know helping us with the show. You're the ones who, you know, with our patrons, allow us to get Mother Teresa. Which is, which is a blessing. Right. Now, Mother Teresa's words. Love is a fruit in season at all times and within reach of every hand. It's in season now. Put on love and watch what Christ can do through your openness, reaching out to the poor right next to you. God bless, and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.